If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Strictly Sports. I am Jacob Brown, joined here with CJ Uri and Steve Cashin. Uh, we're here for our pod of the week. we got a lot to talk about today. we got college football. Two conferences have canceled. We're going to talk about that. Two tight ends signed extensions today. We'll talk about that too. NHL, NBA bubbles, a uh, lot of action going on there. We'll have Adam Kupferman on again to talk a little bit about the NHL as well later on in the show. Uh, so let's start this, CJ. Uh, so we got college football. Well, actually, first of all, uh, before we start anything, I want Adiel to listen to this pod and not have to fast forward through anything. Uh, we had a little uh, chat the other night uh, about Adiel talking about your Tom Brady pick from last year in the playoffs. And uh, uh, I'll just let you take the floor here. I'll never forget. I'm in the FAU OWL radio department. I was still kind of new. I was a shiny, if you will. I was a rookie in there, uh, even though despite probably being the oldest student that was in there. But... I meet Adiel for like the second or third time, like actually have a conversation with him. And I come to find out this guy's a Patriots fan. Like, first of all, how are you a freaking Patriots fan? And just so everybody knows, he didn't even tell me that he's just a Brady fan. You know, it was just, bro, the Pats are amazing, bro. Belichick and, and the, the, the Tom Brady, bro. Like, you, you, you can't, you, you, come on, bro. They're going to win the Super Bowl, bro. You, you tell me no, that they're going to win the Super Bowl. And I'm like, Okay, well, they're not going to even win a game in the playoffs. I said, Brady's done. The Patriots are done. That whole dynasty's over. Um, and that's it. So he was like, shake on it, bro. Um, shake on it right now. I said, okay, fine. Like, I'll shake on it. The Patriots aren't going to win a game. So they ended up losing first round of the Titans. And just now I hear from Adiel, like, like just now, okay, He's texting me in freaking August of 2020 in a chat with Jacob. Um, it was not even a gutsy prediction. It was it, that that was just it, it was lucky, bro. Like it wasn't gutsy at all. Like whatever, all luck. And I'm like, how's that luck, dude? I told you they weren't gonna win. Not only did I tell you they weren't gonna win the Super Bowl, they weren't gonna win a game in the playoffs. Now you're telling me it's not gutsy. And then he goes on to say my Tampa Bay Bucks. He jumped ship to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and now wow. he's claiming that he's just a Brady fan. <laughs> Audio, listen to me right now. You pick a damn team, and when I make a prediction, you better respect it because it's going to be right again. Oh, man. Hey, with Audio, you got to come on after that. You can't just sit here, listen to this. You're my supervisor now at L Radio, okay? You have to come on now. Come on to the show. Fight CJ about this. It would be pure gold, ratings gold, as Audio likes to say. Uh, by the way, for those of you who don't know him, he's awesome. Uh, he's the director of student media at FAU. Uh, he's always joking around with us, uh, having some great sports debates, and uh, he's been a great uh, mentor for me, and uh, excited to see him again when I get back to FAU. But now, uh, we got to talk about some college football, because there's some stuff going on. Uh, for FAU purposes, as of now, Conference USA still playing. Uh, you know, they're reviewing the medical data. They're saying, okay, we can play. I agree with them. They can play. Uh, but the Big Ten and the Pac-12, 
They're saying no bueno. We're not playing this year. We're delaying till spring. First of all, my first point about that is spring ball would be a disaster. You can't play spring ball. Uh, the draft is right smack in the middle of that. You're not going to have any big player. You think Justin Fields is going to play spring football when he's got to prep for the combine? No chance. Uh, the only way you could do it is, hey, let's start January, which, by the way, if you're trying to avoid the virus, flu season starts in January. It starts in the cold winter weather, January through March. That's prime virus time. That's when it spreads. So you're going to start then to avoid the virus. I don't get it. Maybe they're hoping, hey, maybe there's a vaccine out. Maybe that's a reasonable thing. Regardless, you can't play spring ball. There's no chance you could play, play spring ball with the draft in the way. And if you actually look at it, listen, the college age groups for these players, 24 and under, they don't really have a high risk of getting highly affected by this. Yes. Can the virus spread? Of course it can. You look at the other sports, though. The NFL, they've been practicing. No outbreaks. You look at the, 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 the uh, NBA, no positive cases. NHL, no positive cases. Baseball. 28 of the 30 teams have been completely fine this entire time. And now college football, this Big Ten, you have, you have the Big Ten conference leader, uh, I forget his name now, two weeks ago saying, hey, I'd let my son play football right now. And then they released their Big Ten schedule, and now all of a sudden they're saying, oh, no, 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 we can't play. Pac-12 saying the same thing, we can't play. When you actually look at the issues, and Joel Klatt had a great uh, video about this, he said, listen, the players are at a higher risk from not playing football than they are from playing football from multiple different areas. Number one, now you're letting them go back to campus where they're going to be with the rest of the students on all the facilities. If you had had them playing, they would have been isolated in a protected area, uh, being guarded by coaches. They would have been on with education. Now you have the players free reign, not practicing, not playing, doing basically whatever they want. They're at a higher risk not playing football. That was the biggest argument that I heard. Uh, there, there were four other points that he made, very good points, and uh, I'll link the article to that from OutKick in the description. Uh, but what are you guys thinking here? Because it's like, they can play. Come on. I mean, the, the virus risk, and here's the thing. If you're a coach and you're high risk or you're a player and you're high risk, don't play. Don't go. If you're a coach and you're over 40, over 50, sit in the press box. Coach from the press box with a mask, socially distanced. It can be done. Every other sport's doing it. Why do you think college football is kind of backing away from this, at least these two conferences? I'll start with CJ. Um, I think it's just it's just really touchy right now. I mean, you know, you know, I, look, for 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 guys at this age and this athletic ability and the way their body is is uh, hardwired and their fitness level is through the roof. I don't really think that if they were to contract COVID-19, if they were to, it would be that big of a deal for them. I'd say in above 95% of the cases, they wouldn't really have that bad of a, a time, maybe a couple nights of sniffles and coughing and whatnot. But, you know, I hear stories about Freddie, like the Freddie Freeman story where he really thought like one night that it was it, like it was over, like when he had 104 fever, 103 fever, like that's scary stuff. That's Freddie Freeman. I mean, he plays baseball at a very high level in the majors. He's an all-star kind of guy. His body's in perfect shape. He's getting COVID-19 um, and having a really tough time. Um, outside of that, I haven't really heard of a, a of an athlete have like a terrible time with COVID-19. But you know, I log on to Facebook and and uh, Instagram and stuff, and you know, there are some times where I see people have lost loved ones to COVID-19. Yes, that they were later in life, loved ones like grandfathers, late uh, older fathers, whatever it may be. That stuff's tragic. So. 
I feel like it's just a really touchy subject right now uh, in the country to to be having students, uh, student athletes play during COVID-19. But in a way, I see the other side of the coin, which is what Trevor Lawrence was getting at over Twitter. Some of these guys go to football as a safe haven. Some of them don't want to go back home to bad at-home situations or at-home situations where people aren't even taking the mask wearing seriously or that they are way more susceptible to COVID-19 at home than they are at, at school at a bubble where they're practicing and playing. And I feel bad for those guys that need to prove themselves this year to get drafted. So it's a really touchy subject. I mean, I think that they can play, but the problem is, is that for all the crap that the MLB got, for all the crap that the NHL and the NBA got, for not starting when people wanted them to start and not having enough of a plan, those guys were planning, those leagues were planning for so long to get these guys back out on the field or on the ice. The NCAA is looking like, what the hell? They had like a doomsday timer set, and it just exploded this week. And you're sitting there, and you're just like, where were the plans? You didn't even mock up plans for the for anything, like even like a plan A, plan B, plan C. It's not like I've seen any of that. It's like basically all all the conferences, you know, you know, it's every man for themselves. And I just, it, it sucks to watch, but I hope that they get to play. But it has to be under the right circumstances because. You never know what's going to happen with COVID. You never know what player is going to go out and see a, you know, see a girlfriend or uh, see one of their friends or whatever, and then bring that into the bubble. And you don't know what's going to happen. And it would really suck if they played and someone got COVID-19 and it was a pretty bad case of COVID. It's scary, scary case. Then you're sitting there and it's like everything's shut down. So I think that they can play under the right circumstances, but the players need to agree. It's not me who's playing. And it isn't me who's coaching. The coaches and the players need to come to an agreement with the with some sort of a collegiate bubble. And if that's not proper, then don't play, in my opinion. But I think they can do it. It's just it's the time is of the essence right now. Yeah, and uh, before you go, Steve, I'll add Joel Klatt's points, and this goes to what CJ was saying. He said, "Listen, the human impact of cancellation." Uh, he said people have been dealing with suicide and depression at far greater rates than before COVID. Uh, he said, quote, it would be naive to think that we wouldn't see a, re- a rise in depression and the overall deterioration of mental health of these college football players, many of whom who have been singularly focused on their sport and achievement in their sport their entire life. To take that away from them at this point, I think, would be very detrimental to their mental health. And his fifth point was the financial impact. You would lose thousands or tens of thousands of scholarship opportunities across college athletics without football as a financial engine. So th- this is uh, – it's a big, fat mess. Uh, what are you thinking, Steve? Yeah, I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. I mean, you all pretty much touched everything. I mean, it's a, it's a mess. There's so many logistics that go into producing a college football season. There's so many conferences and teams. And I think about the players. And there's so many, so many aspects of college football that it's not like the NFL where you have 30 teams. They're professional athletes getting paid. And it's all you can sum it up into, and everyone just stays in their own spot. Like CJ said, these players go out, they go see a girlfriend, they go out maybe to a bar or something that the coaches don't know about. They bring it back into the program, then it spreads like wildfire. So let's say someone doesn't know they have it, they spread it. You go and play a game, you go give it to the other team. It can get out of hand really fast, and that's I think the issue of some conferences taking a second guess and trying to play. But at the same time, you look at this, it's a two-edged sword. Uh, guys that have worked their ass off their whole life to get to the point where they are now on the cusp of getting drafted. I mean, look at Joe Burrow last year. Was a projected fifth, sixth-round pick, 
goes out and has the season of his life, and he's now he's he's on top of the world, number one pick going to Cincinnati. I mean, it, this this season could change a lot of players' lives. And yes, the NCAA did a good job in in uh, granting ki- kids that don't play this year another year of eligibility. So not all is lost for these players if they don't play, but it's a huge blow to take a whole year off and try to you know get it back after taking almost a year and a half, two years off of football, let's say. But it's just a giant mess, and I'm, I'm surprised, like CJ said, that there's no plan of action that we saw MLB. Like, there was multiple, like, five, six, seven, eight plans that were getting thrown out there. And the NCAA just said, all right, we're assuming we're all going to play. Now these two conferences back out, two big Power Five conferences back out, and now everyone's reeling now, and we have no idea what's going to happen. SEC's trying to recruit teams to come play for their conference. Nebraska's trying to jump ship. It's just a giant mess for a lot of schools, and I don't know. They're just going to have to really figure it out and make a concrete plan because, Jacob, you said it too, is spring football won't work. It's going to be a nightmare. No one's going to want to do that midseason worrying about the draft. Trevor Lawrence won't play. I mean, these superstars aren't going to worry about blowing their knees up or something over a makeshift college football season, and they got to figure it out quick or we're not going to have football. That's the thing, you know, you're sitting there and like, you know, to sum it up, I guess what Steve and I are saying in the best way I can is there's two sides of the coin here. It's one, you play the season and you're going to see a bunch of unbelievable stories and guys that are going to get drafted because of the season that they just played. And then two, these guys can possibly be put in the media for the wrong reason. What if you're that one guy that gets COVID and spreads it to the team and then you got it right before the game on Saturday and then you spread it to other guys? You know, you don't know. You could be in the media for the right reasons. Or you could be in the media for the wrong reasons. There's, you know, there's a very fine line of win-lose in this season. A loss is literally one team in college football getting it and then another team somehow getting it from that team. That is like, it's over. It's done. Like, you guys look like idiots. You guys put students in danger. The university is dumb for having these players play. You get parents upset, donors, the whole nine. And then the other one, which is a very tough outcome to achieve as we are seeing in the MLB right now. The other one would be no cases. You saw a bunch of college success stories. The draft happens on time the following year and everybody had a fair share at their shot of doing or doing one more college football season. If that was their last college football season or everybody had another shot at another great college football season to set them up for the following one. So it is so touchy and they need a plan. And I feel like they've ran out of time. Yeah, and I I agree with you guys. If they had a plan, you might not have to worry about that one guy who might go out. I mean, you know, because if you had a plan and said, listen, hey, maybe we'll take away your scholarship if we catch you going out, right? That could have been part of the plan because it's, 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 it's a public health safety thing. It, you could tell the players, listen, if you decide to go out to the bar, you get COVID, we're dropping you from the team. No more scholarship. So I, I feel like that could have been a big thing there. I mean, here's the thing. That would have been fine for these schools to drop the scholarships. They're already going to lose tons of scholarships. They're just gaining one back. So I feel like there could have been a way for this to be done. I definitely agree with what you guys are saying, though, because there was no plan, and they could have started the season. You could have one guy say, you know what, I'm going out to the club tonight, comes in the next day, practices, spreads it, whole world ends. So it's it's really a sticky situation. Uh, Big Ten, Pac-12 not playing. Um, and we've even heard rumors. Kirk Herbstreet said it on ESPN uh, probably the best college football analyst out there. He said uh, there might be a movement for the big five conferences to split entirely 
from the NCAA. Uh, I know, CJ, you'd probably be more knowledgeable about this than I would. What do you think that even means? Say it one more time. So I hear it correctly. Yeah, so Herb Street's basically saying that the Big Five conferences might split from the NCAA entirely. Oh, oh, I saw that. I saw that. I saw that Power Five was. Um, I saw a couple uh, a couple months ago that the Power Five wanted to potentially just be its own entity, which I don't think would ever happen. I think that that is a tactic to put pressure on the NCAA to figure their shit out because the NCAA is a damn mob and they've got unbelievably awful rules and they botch everything. As you can see, the NCAA had no plan in place and they've literally, they basically said without saying it to the media, all the conferences, you're on your own. You make a plan because we're not going to do it for you. So honestly, if they want to go like leave the the NCAA and the Power 5 conferences want to do that, fine by me. Like go for it. Uh, One last note for, for college football. If those Power Five conferences don't play and QSIP plays, do you know the amount of like this was a positive and let's just let's just say that there is no COVID case during during uh, college football season and, and college football goes unscathed from COVID uh, going forward. But but a few Power Five conferences uh, didn't play. You know the amount of TV press FAU would get. Oh yeah. Like you know how many people would be watching their games because that's what's on TV. That'd be huge. So oh, in yeah. a way, I'm kind of rooting for a couple P5 conferences. Like, just give me Big Ten, SEC, CUSA, and I can get through this college football season. Don't care. Yeah, I mean, Big Ten probably not, but it's looking right now like Big 12, yeah. SEC, but and ACC. They kind of did a double take once, like, CUSA really? was like, yeah, I think we're going to play. The SEC was like, we're going to probably play. And then Big Ten was like, shit. <laughs> so the ACC was like, I'm going to play. And then Big Ten was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. So, uh, you know, who— who the fuck knows? But all I know is, is you give me a couple of the conferences and you give me FAU football, I'm totally cool. Because, hey, the F- FAU will have no choice but to be in the top 25. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, there you go, right there. So uh, uh, we'll move on to the uh, NFL now. And two big extensions, contract extensions, for the two best tight ends in the league came today. Uh, Travis Kelsey over in Kansas City gets a four-year, $57.5 million extension. And then in San Francisco, George Kittle gets five and 75, which is the largest tight end contract ever. Um, the thing is, yeah, that's the largest tight end contract ever. But at the same time, he's the most valuable receiver on that team, number one. Number two, receivers get paid a fuck ton more than that. So I'm looking at it and saying San Francisco got a deal here getting a guy like George Kittle in there for five and 75. Okay, yeah, maybe the tight end market's different from wide receiver, but this dude's more valuable than a bunch of wide receivers. Definitely the most valuable guy on San Francisco uh, in terms of receiving talent. So, uh, how do you? What do you guys think about these two extensions, Steve? Uh, the George Kittle uh, extension. I mean, I like it. I mean, they got him. I think it's a bargain that they got him for. Uh, I mean, obviously the tight ends position's more. Uh, it's it's physical. You're you're on the end. You're you're blocking a lot. You're it's very hard nosed position to play. Um, so I mean, they're the on that position, it's more you're vulnerable to get hurt um, more times than not than, a, let's say, a wide receiver. Let, let's say you're not getting blown up as much. But uh, definitely, I mean, to lock him in for five more years for that team, is he's a, a, a huge asset. Like I said, he block, clears out the blocks. I mean, he's like a wide receiver essentially, but a, a much bigger bigger build and uh, adds protection. I mean, it's, it's a, a huge weapon for San Francisco to keep having uh, on their team for uh, years to come now. Yeah, CJ, what do you think? Well, I, you know, real quick, I, I think I'm only going to touch on the Kittle one. Um, 
George Kittle signing for the 49ers was a great deal for both parties. You can't let a guy like that walk, and you got to make him happy. Um, I think Warren Sharp, which is one of my favorite football follows on Twitter. If you guys don't follow him, you 100% should. Sharp Analytics. He's awesome. He's got some great witty tweets, and on top of that, he analyzes football in a way that I don't really see any other Twitter accounts do. And for some reason, he always has some great videos. But he had put up a video of um, George Kittle uh, saying, like, at, like on the sideline of the Super Bowl, like when the game was going to end and the Chiefs were going to win, he had said, uh, he said, not only am I going to be fucking back here in the Super Bowl, I'm going to be back with a fucking vengeance. And that's not a guy. And first of all, he's a star player. You don't let a guy like that walk who clearly wants to be back in the Super Bowl the following year. Not in it just for the money. He wants to win. Great pick. Uh, great pick. Great uh, contract. And, dude, I think he's the best tight end in the league. I think yeah. he's a better tight end than Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey's an unbelievable receiving tight end, but I think Kittle's the full package. And when Kittle lowers that soldier down the field, no one's tackling him first tackle. So I think it's great. Uh, but real quick, I think that he kind of did this reporter a little dirty. On Twitter, some guy re- reported basically that he was going to have a ridiculous contract Um uh, George Kittle and George Kittle was like, huh, you guys believe everything you see on the internet and basically defamed this reporter on Twitter. And then the following day he gets this massive contract and the guy was clearly right. Like I felt bad, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a contract that needed to be made. You, you give that money and Titans becoming a money position now in, the, in football. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, all right, let's move to the NHL playoffs now. And, uh, we just finished watching the Columbus blue jackets and Tampa Bay lightning game. Right now, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights are leading the Chicago Blackhawks 2-0 after one period. Uh, Steve, your prediction's not going so well there with uh, Vegas. And uh, we have uh, Adam Kupferman joining us now. Uh, Adam, what's up, man? You're a Lightning fan, obviously. How you doing, first of all? Uh, I know you moved in back in uh, your dorm today. Uh, how you doing after this Lightning L? Uh, you know, thankfully I didn't have to watch too much of that game. I heard it, I heard it wasn't a... Uh too great of a game for the Lightning. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, this series is going to be a death of me. Going five overtimes and now, you know, losing 3-1 out shooting Columbus, you know, just, it, it's it's going to be a long series, but I'm here for the ride. It's It feels a lot better than getting swept. I feel like the Columbus Blue Jackets aren't a team that you can, like, no matter how bad they are technically on paper, it does not matter. Like, that locker room is not losing back-to-back games, like, ever. Yeah, and there's this misconception that Columbus is this bad team every time they get to the playoffs. It's like, oh, you're Lightning are going to play Detroit Red Wings now. It's like, no, this team is – they have goaltending. They have great defense. Their coach – the Lightning might lose – if the Lightning lose a series, it's they're going to get outcoached. They're, They're gonna get the out-coached. same thing as the Islanders, though. They are. They play this. They played that New Jersey style defense that when they when New, when Jersey won their cup with Brodeur, where it's they lock it down. They don't score many goals, but guess what? When they get ahead by one goal, they lock. But they it can down. score goals. I mean, you've seen the Blue Jackets. They can perform in a shootout. They can still put up four goals on you, three yeah. goals on you. That's they, the thing. They're like the Islanders who can score kind of. So they're a tough hockey team to play against. They get the forecheck going, and the thing is, they go out on the ice. They don't give a fuck. They'll hit yeah. you. They pin you on the boards. The coach doesn't care. He's yelling his ass off on the sideline. It's like playing the damn Tasmanian devil. You can't do anything about it. And, you know, that's why John Cooper's job, I think, is in jeopardy if they lose this series. It's twice, back-to-back years, he's got out coach. You look at the Islanders. You know, Barry Trotz comes in. No one expected them to do anything. They make they win a series last year. They're in the playoffs this year again. They're looking good against his former team, Washington. 
you know, John Cooper sitting behind the lightning bench looking casual, not really riling the boys up. And I think that's what's affecting his job security right now. Yeah. And yeah, got, yeah. yeah, and Steve and I were talking about the before the show. I mean, where the fuck is Steven Stamkos? Jesus. I, it's, I can't. This makes me, between this situation, the John Cooper thing, I'll touch on John Cooper real quick. It's like, you know, they get punched in the mouth, and it's like, okay, it's all right. We're okay. You know, we got a lot of shots, got a lot of chances. No. You know what? Go in your press conference and say, we didn't play well. Let's get our ass in gear and go. And he doesn't do that. That's why people are so frustrated. It's the same thing year after year. And then Stamkos is the same way. Great player, regular season. But when the games come to matter, he's non-existent. He's never there, never in the lineup. And it's like he preaches every year, I, I want to bring a cup to Tampa. Well, you want to bring a cup back, you're never on the ice. Look at Crosby. Look at Ovechkin. I mean, Kane, Taves, all those guys that won cups, they're playing with broken feet, broken hands. Yes, maybe something's severely wrong with him, but this guy was practicing before they played the Panthers in their ex- exhibition game, playing in the power play unit, and he's hasn't played what is he waiting for? The Stanley Cup final to roll around then? Oh, I'll play now. He's, anyway, waiting for, he's waiting for Game 7 of the Eastern Conference final to show up again. Yeah, it's just frustrating. I mean, it's, it's just the, the Blue Jackets, are they have a formula, and they have a formula that is suited perfectly for teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning. That I would not necessarily call the Tampa Bay Lightning a finesse team, but I would say that the Tampa Bay Lightning are a team that's built, a roster that's built on fast skating, skill, talent, scoring, you know, and the Blue Jackets are like, you know what, I'm just going to hit you. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to hit you. I'm going to forecheck it, get the, get the puck deep, pin you to the boards, get you tired, and hopefully get a garbage goal or, you know, get our grinder out there. That's just how they win against teams like the Tampa Bay Lightning are clearly a top five roster in the NHL, if not top three. It's just the Blue Jackets are good at taking you out of your game. Like, that's that's basically what they bank on. If you look at any of their losses – if you look at their losses against the Maple Leafs, they just failed to take the Maple Leafs out of the game. But the yeah. games that they took the Maple Leafs out of the game, it was 3-0, 2-0. Like, the Maple Leafs couldn't even get in their own, the Blue Jackets' zone. Yeah. If you ask me, I mean, I, people hate Tortorella. Like, people hate torts. And, like, I don't know why. Like, why would you not want an animated coach on the sideline absolutely ripping your players? Why would you not want a coach in the media that just doesn't take shit from the media? His personality extends to the entire bench and they played the way torts coaches and it works i still think tampa bay is going to win the series i don't think that they're going to lose back-to-back years i think it goes six or seven games though because the blue jackets are that good but i don't know it's, yeah it's a great series i don't think anybody's going to win back and uh, like win two in a row that's why the lightning winning game one was huge yeah i mean you people are delusional to think the lightning were going to go and sweep the floor i mean you're not going to win four in a row against these guys i mean today it was perfect example they it was one nothing early, and then they had a couple breakdowns, a crappy goal off someone's skate goes in. Columbus has the momentum, and then they, they capitalized. It was 2-1, really, to hold out the rest of the game. They scored with seven minutes left in the third, but it's going to be a grind. I, I think it's going to go six or seven, like you said. It's going to be who's going who's gonna to find a way to close their team off early and and do play the right way, and it's just it's going to be back and forth no matter what, however you draw it up. Yeah, and you know, tell it too, and I mean, another thing that Columbus does really well, they get in front of every shot. I mean, they, they are blocking shots left and right. I mean, whenever they're taking shots from the point, there's at least three guys in front of the net. Um, they're uh, like you guys have all touched on. They're great physically. And I think a guy, you know, me and Adam were talking about it earlier. Uh, Corpus Salo doesn't get enough appreciation in my mind. I mean, he's been pretty damn good here. I mean, 
Is he making stellar saves? Is he the reason why they're winning? No. Adam, you said it before. It's mainly the Columbus defense, but this is a young hotshot goalie, 23 years old. He's been a rock for them. You lose Bobrovsky. Now you have Corpusalo in there. It's almost like nothing has changed there. Uh, so, Adam, I mean, you were talking about that earlier with Corpusalo and that Columbus D. Uh, you know, you can touch on that. Just Columbus does such a good job of blocking lanes and getting puck, getting in front of pucks, blocking shots. Makes Merzling or not Merzling, this Corpusalo's job. It makes it somewhat easier. You know, goaltender's job's never exactly easy, but you know, when pucks do get through, he's making key saves and he's not allowing big re- any rebounds and it's stifling the lightning offense where he used to be getting you know clear looks at a net and two three maybe even four rebound chances uh the lightning are going to have to get used to playing two one three two games against this team that's playoff hockey you know kudos to columbus they're they're a good team by no means you know do i think otherwise but I, I don't know. I, I I agree with you guys. I think this goes seven games, not even six. I, I think it's got to go seven. It's written in the stars for it. And for Columbus to come out on top, they've got to keep their formula going, keep putting guys into the boards, keep getting in lanes, have uh, Corpus Allos, you know, doing what he's got to do right now. They got to keep playing the way they are. And it might sound crazy. The last thing I'll say about this, and then whoever can take it from here, but uh, if they get the lightning into this series – this could be, I mean, this could be monumental for them. I mean, this is a team that has been their Achilles heel. It's a, the team that's tough to play against. Like, not many clean looks, but this could be, if they get through this round, could be huge for them. Because then you get in playing a Boston team or a Washington team that flies up and down the ice with you, and you're back to your game. So this is going to be a huge series for them. If they get through it, I think they go really deep, and if not, go to the final and could take it back. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that this is, I, I don't even know if it's, fully like a skill thing at the moment. I just think it's a mental roadblock for the lightning. It's like, they know that they're going to go in the game and they, you know what the blue jackets are going to do. They do it every game. It's just, it's a, it's like a mental, mental thing. I think once I I agree, once the lightning get past, if they get past the series, which I think they will, I think the following series, you're going to see the lightning get back to their game where they're going to be scoring more goals. They're going to be playing great D, but um, real quick point. If, this has ha- this is just so bittersweet as a Panthers fan because yeah. <laughs> not only did we dish out like fucking ridiculous cash to Sergey Bobrovsky, it clearly sh- which I sat there I'm like okay well we got our guy but what's it gonna matter we don't have shit in front of him we have wingers playing defense for Christ's sake <laughs> this just shows you don't throw money at a goalie. If you don't have defense in front of him, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. You could be Patrick Wall, but if you play in front of Keith Yandel and Mike Matheson, who Coach Q actually paired. I just want everybody to know, Coach Q paired him. Paired both of them together, which is two top ten worst defensemen in the league in terms of um, turning over the puck and plus minus rating. He paired both of them, okay? I don't care if you're Jesus Christ. You're not saving the puck. It's not going to work. Not only that, you've given the man $10.5 million in a tax-free state. That's fucked up. He's loving it down there. You, Dale Talon, you motherfucker. Goodbye. (laughs) He's gone. He's he's gone, right? Yeah. I just don't get it, bro. Like, you see, the Islanders, Robin Leonard left. Have they skipped a beat in net? Nope. Nope. 
has Bobrovsky leaves fucking uh, uh, Columbus, and who who do they have? Elvis Merz Lincolns and something Corpusala. Who in the yeah. world are those people before this season? They look like freaking Vezina Trophy com- like contenders for the following upcoming years. That's the it's defense, defense, defense. Yeah. Columbus is like I said blocking every shot. There's no clean looks. That's the most frustrating thing about that team, that Columbus team, is they you don't get looks. Everything's getting blocked. It's, I don't know. I'm, if I well, hear more thing about Seth Jones, on net, I throw my computer out the TV, out through the fucking wall, <laughs> out the outside. Even if the puck is on net, the Blue Jackets have cleared the crease, and it's a clean save. Yeah. Any NHL goalies at that level are going to make a save when they see the puck from 20 feet away. So simple. It's just so simple. But um, I think we should talk about the West real quick. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Steve's not so hot prediction right now. Uh, yeah. Steve hey, said. Steve hey, said hey, in a group chat. You, what did you say in a group chat? He goes. Vegas, you've met times. your maker, Chicago. Blah yeah, blah blah. blah. A, it's all right. It's called Capper. <laughs> Capper. King Capper. It's not a five-game series. It's about. It's up oh, two to one. Uh, it's a seven-game series. They don't ask you how you get it done. They give you seven games to get it done. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. Bounce back. Kane's gonna take over the series. I believe it in six. If not, if not six, it's gonna be seven. Vegas. I hate that team more than Boston Bruins. Actually, yeah, I do. Don't tell me they're an expansion team. They've made the playoffs three years in a row. They got were given veterans. Jonathan Marchessault, uh, Bill Carlson, uh, Flurry. Don't tell me they're expansion. Smith. Stone. I mean, good lord, they're not an expansion team. They may have gotten a few of those players from the Panthers. Yeah, they did, but. We yeah, had to uh, protect uh, um, Alex Petrovic, who I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I don't think Chicago wins the series, Steve. I hate to tell you. I mean, Vegas is just the deeper team. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, maybe it was a little delusional on my part to say that, <laughs> but I mean, I think you know they locked down Drysaddle McDavid, but. I mean, Vegas, they, they can roll two or three lines out, and, and they're pretty deep. And if they get good goaltending play behind an already two, three, four lines, they roll out there. I mean, I don't think I don't see them losing first round, but who knows? If Chicago gets hot again, they find some scoring, secondary scoring besides their first line. Crawford gets a little hot, and we'll see. But Maybe uh, it goes six games. Maybe <laughs> it goes six games, they lose in six, but... No, I, I think I, I still... um, a, a series that I that I want to watch. Uh, all right, two things: a series that I'm going to keep a really close eye on for the first round of the Western Conference playoffs, and then a series that I really want to see. But I actually don't know the brackets. So I don't know if the series would even happen. I would love to see the Flames versus the Abs. I think that'd okay. be a freaking awesome series because the Abs are a high flying team that also hit pretty well, and the Flames are just the biggest dickheads. I mean, Tuchuk, <laughs> uh, what is it, Matthew Tuchuk? Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, Matthew Tuchuk is just such an asshole. But I would love to see McKinnon get into it in the game. And, and you know, like th- that would be a heavily contested series. I think that would be a great series. And the series that I'm watching that I think can go seven games, and not only that, I think we might see an up an upset, is the Canucks-Blues. Yeah, I think yeah. that series is going to be a very, very good series to the end. And you saw it yesterday. I mean, the, the Canucks beat the Blues 5-2. I mean, yeah. They, they did not look good. Good Blues defense. So I don't know. What What are your guys' thoughts on the West? Yeah, Adam, what do you think? Bennington, I didn't think looked good last night. I think the Blues are still trying to find their rhythm. I, I think it's slowly coming back. You know, you could see moments of it. But, but Jesus Christ, can they hold a third-period lead? I mean, is it all four games they've been tied or leading in the third and then they fucking blew it? It's unreal. You know, just 
whatever's in their heads or in their way right now, they got to figure it out quick because, you know, it it's not a five-game series. It's a seven-game series. But, you know, you go down 2 nothing, you know, that's a, it's still a hole. It's a big hole. And they got to figure it out quick. Yeah, and this uh, Vancouver team last night, I mean, they, they can score. I mean, Elias Patterson, I mean, JT Miller having a great year. Uh, Brock Besser, look at look behind them. I mean, uh, Tyler Myers on, on that Canucks team. It, guys are contributing all over the place, and they're getting some good uh, good goaltending play from Markstrom behind, uh, you know, in, in between the pipes. And St. Louis doesn't bear down here. And there was a stretch, like you said, uh, last night where they looked like they were getting back to their – you know, Stanley Cup run form from last year, and then it broke down. Biddington gave up a couple softies, and then Vancouver took over. But that series to me is probably the most interesting out of the West for me just because I really want to see how St. Louis responds and if Vancouver can keep putting their foot on the gas and, you know, maybe surprise everyone and and they can make a run themselves. Yeah, and listen, dude, I mean, the Blues were the number one seed, yeah, but they were 42-29-10. That's 10 OT losses, so... If you're one of those people that like me that kind of looks at OT losses as actual losses, that's 42 and 39. You know that they're not they were not the dominant team that they were at the end of last season going into the playoffs. I get it. They didn't have Tarasenko the whole year, um, but they're not the team that they were last year. I, I've called the Canucks. I mean, maybe it's not accurate anymore because the Rangers lost. I called them Rangers West. They have a lot of young players. They're already skilled. Uh, but I got to throw it in there real quick. Uh, the, the New York Rangers got the number one pick, and uh, I, I'm very excited. I know CJ wanted that pick, and we stole it right out of the Panthers' hands. But, uh, yeah, the Rangers are going to draft Alexis Lafreniere, and he's going to play, I think, second-line center. Uh, he had 77 assists. I think they should transition him to center. He's six foot one. Uh, hey, you got Panarin, Zibanejad, Lafreniere, Kako, Truba, Fox, Keandre Miller, Igor Shosturkin all under 25 years old, uh, watch out, people in the NHL. This is going to be a fun time. So The Rangers' is, uh, lotto ball was heavier than the rest of them. Oh, shut up. Shut the fuck up. That's not true. The, yeah, you see the, the, the Maple Leafs ball go up to the top. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, yeah. It gets right up there. Uh, yeah, hey, I would dude, the, at the beginning, the Panthers' ball was hanging out in that spot. <laughs> but then, but then, like, Bettman was like, yo, he cannot go to Florida. Like, I, he needs more publicity than that. That would suck. And then the ball went to the, to the bottom for the, like the last thirty seconds. By the way, that's a Maple Leafs. Uh, uh, that is a Maple Leafs draft pick. If that guy isn't talking, and he, like like he kept talking, like it just wait, waited and waited and waited. That was the Maple Leafs draft pick. You got really lucky, like like really lucky that that ceremony and like the thing just kept going and going. Hey, hey but you're right though. I mean, the the Rangers are going to be a damn good team. But what matters the most. Solid defense. Hey, well, I think we have that, man. I mean, I think we got, you know, Truba Fox, and if they keep D'Angelo, it's a great right side D. And you have Keandre Miller, the prospect, six foot five, two twenty, coming out of college. Absolute stud. He's gonna be the number one pair, I think, eventually. You're still gonna have Mark Stahl next year, who's actually still playing really good defense. And then the rumor is uh Rangers have another D prospect, Nils Lundquist. He not spelled like Henrik Lundquist, it's with a K. Uh, but he might play right side. Tony D might move over to the left. That's a that's a damn good defense to me. I, I have no problems with that. So, um, but I wanted to talk to you guys about one last series here. Uh, Caps Islanders. This is a lot like Blue Jackets Lightning that we were talking about. Isles won game one four two. Barry Trotz great coaching. They play as a team. They're physical. 
they get that one goal in there. They outscore the team. They hit harder. They forecheck. Do you actually think the Islanders have a legit chance? And I know, Adam, you picked the Islanders in this series. Are you, are you still sticking with that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, they're resilient. You know, down 2 nothing, working their way back. A 4-2 win. That's got to feel good. Barry Trotz is, you know, as good a coach as he is, he's got to have a fire under him for the way things ended in Washington. Now play, now going against his former team, you know his guys. He's a player's coach. His guys are going to be rallying for him. They know the history. They know you know, his history with the Capitals. I still think Washington wins too. I think this goes six, but I, I can't see the Islanders with the defensive style they play. You know, th- that already hurts Washington, who I think is more of an offensive team. When well, defensive, I mean, even John Carlson, a defenseman, had what? How many points he, he have? Yeah, he led their team in scoring. He had more points than Ovechkin. Exactly. So I think the Islanders' defense is going to wear him down. I don't think they're going to let this slip away just because of how much they respect Barry Barry Trotz. I I think the Islanders have been a really interesting spot. If you watched that game yesterday, the two goals that Washington scored was in the power play. I mean, that they really weren't really, they weren't good on five on five play and the Islanders really came back and punched in the mouth four straight goals. Holpe looked really kind of, I mean, he looked shaky. There was one goal where I think it was the first or second goal. It was coming right towards me. He tries to go glove it and literally whiffs on it. And it goes in. Talk about a back in a playoff game. You can't give up those kind of goals. And he gave up two really bad goals. He dished one to the front of the net, doesn't see his defender going around him, gives it up in front. He's out of position, goes in the net. Two really bad goals. Um, Islanders, credit to them, they just kept pressing. And they just wear you down until the point where you just can't keep up with them. One five and then opening. And then they they capitalize. So, I think the series goes six. Washington's not going to go out with a fight, but I think the Islanders can. I think they got the edge in the goaltending department and uh, defensively too. How does if if the Islanders win this series, how does this shake up things in Washington? You know they've got reached the second round once. They made it to they won the cup that year, obviously. But you know going up against their former coach, they can't beat him. I think if they lose, there's a big shakeup coming in Washington. I think. You know, a few years ago, they were shopping Ovechkin. Don't be surprised if those rumors start coming back up. They have Shesterkin in. They're not going to waste his prime years on an aging team. I think they could, if they don't make a run this year, there could be major major shakeups in Washington. I don't know. They've been kind of they've been kind of spoiled with the playoff runs. But I, I get your say. Like I think uh, two I think two first round exits back to back like that, not being able to capitalize. It could be some. You could see some movement, uh, some players, but I don't know. We'll see. There's still a long way to go, but there's definitely be some questions after this series if things don't go their way. Yeah, just because of COVID and whatnot. Even if they lose round one uh, this year, I think that you know you, you keep that team and roster intact and the coach there. But if it continues the following year, then I think you you, you uh, analyze it, look at it, and you know figure out if you got to blow blow some stuff up, which. You know, do you know how hockey is? I mean, they're quick to pull the gun in the sport in terms of tr- trading and firing and whatnot. I mean, you see it all year long. So, I mean, I w- nothing would surprise me. Yeah, and I, I think regardless, though, you know, they do need to add scoring touch because, you know, uh, Nicholas Backstrom's not scoring like he used to. He's a great assist guy, but he doesn't pot in goals. Uh, you got Kuznetsov, Tom Wilson, but they're not big goal scorers. Uh, they need another guy like that to, to help out over there. Burakovsky's good too, but again, not big-time goal scorers other than Ovechkin 
when John Carlson's your leading scorer, that's a problem. Uh, they definitely need to add some depth uh, at the forward position. But, uh, yeah, that'll wrap up our NHL conversation today. Thank you, Adam, for coming on. We'll have you on again next week when we talk about the NHL. I'm sure we might be closer to some of these first-round playoff series being over. Uh, and we'll get your takes then. So thanks for coming on today, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. All right, see you, man. See you, man. Guys, so sadly, we recorded a baseball part of this pod today, but it didn't save for whatever reason. Uh, me and Steve were talking about Major League Baseball uh, and about everything going on there, so I'll just add it uh, solo here for myself. Basically, we talked about how the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees are really close together now. We talked about the three out of four series win that the Tampa Bay Rays had. Steve's a Rays fan. He's basically saying, look, this team's starting to get their guys together. Um, you know, they have their pitching back. Blake Snell's getting his innings up. Bullpen is rocking. Austin Meadows is back. I was talking about, hey, you know, the Rays hitters, even though some of their batting averages are low, they work the count. They get their walks. They make these pitching staffs tired. You know, makes it look uh, pretty, pretty messy for the Yankees, you know, because their starting pitching is a little rough. The Rays kind of exposed that, made the Yankees lose the pen. I think that's why they lose that series. We talked about the NL West with the Colorado Rockies. They've been mashing. Charlie Blackman hitting 472, still leading the division over there in the NL West. You have that pitching staff. That's what we're shocked about. In our baseball previews, we talked about it. You know, this Rocky staff, we thought it was terrible because they all had bad 2019s, bad 2018s. But when you look at 2020 stats, Kyle Freeland, Antonio Sensatella, John Gray, these guys are rocking right now in Colorado. You still have Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, David Dahl, a bunch of other guys in Colorado that can rake. And they really have a legitimate shot to make the postseason here. And if they can hit... You just get that pitching staff up there, five innings, maybe add a pen guy at the, at the trade deadline. This Rockies team could really shock some people out there. We talked about Fernando Tatis, absolutely unbelievable start to the year, has nine homers, tied with Aaron Judge for the most. This dude is an absolute superstar. I think he can be the best shortstop in baseball. Steve was talking about it. He said, listen, this guy, he hits a double in the gap. He's not thinking two. He's going three. His defense has been outstanding. You, put, you leave a pitch hanging. He's hitting it out of the ballpark. Like I said, best shortstop in the game, I think, already. This dude has all the tools, five-tool player for sure. Um, we were also talking about the A's and Astros brawl. We had Steve and I talk about it. It was really funny. For those of you who don't know, A's center fielder Raymond Laureano, the A's and Astros were playing. Laureano got hit by a pitch three times in two days. Wasn't too pissed about it the first two times. Third time, he was like, hey, he held up uh, his fingers making a snap sign like, hey, if you snap that ball a little tighter, you wouldn't be hitting me. Astros bench coach, for lack of a better word, he was a little bit of a wuss. He starts yelling at Loriano. who says, hey, he, he yells a slur at Loriano about his mother. And then he says, hey, you want to fight? And in the biggest wuss move ever, Cintron, the, the, the hitting coach, hides behind his Astros player. They form a wall as Loriano says, hey, I'll fight you. He goes, charges them. If you haven't seen the John Boy media breakdown about this brawl, go watch it. It's incredible. And the A's and Astros was an unbelievable brawl. Alex Cintrone suspended 20 games. Loriano out five. And then Joe Kelly, suspension reduced eight games from five from that Dodgers-Astros brawl a few weeks ago. But other than that, not much happening in Major League Baseball. Kind of just going throughout the days. Playoffs are coming up. Trade deadline closer than people think, August 31st. So we'll pay attention to that. And uh, yeah, that that's what it was for Major League Baseball. We kind of just went over the basics this week. Uh, it's a shame that that part was cut out. We had some great lines. CJ was saying, hey, any hate that the Astros get, we'll take it. I read off the batting average stats for Spring and Altuve, both hitting under 200. Altuve's chase rate for off-speed pitching pitches outside the strike zone is way up. It's not even close. 
So you're starting to see these Astros hitters get a little exposed, just saying, uh, and it is great to see. And we also talked about how terrible the Red Sox rotation is, one of the worst bottom five run differential in the league right now. Not good to see. Uh, but that, yeah, that's that's Major League Baseball. That's our rundown for this week. And uh, now you can listen to the rest of the pod. Here we go. All right, boys. So we're going to move on to the uh, NBA here. Uh, we don't have much information. We do have the Eastern Conference playoff series set. I tweeted it out. I said yawn. Uh, you know, uh, I, I can determine the winners of these playoff series in the NBA. Like right now, it's going to be Bucks, Raptors, Heat, and uh, Celtics. Uh, it's going to be easy. I might not even watch some of those first-round games, to be honest with you. I mean, it's going to be easy. Uh, I think the West, though, will be a lot more interesting. Portland's going to get that eight seed. And I was watching a, a segment from Colin Cowherd the other day. He actually said Portland has a legitimate chance to win this first-round series. When you really look at it, and I forget some of the stats he was pointing out, but I believe the, La- the Lakers are dead last in a lot of offensive statistics right now. Think about it. They don't have any shooters. Me and CJ, we've been saying this for weeks. Other than, I mean, listen, LeBron's not necessarily a shooter. Anthony Davis is not necessarily a shooter. You look at the rest of the roster. Bradley's gone. Rondo's gone. J.R. Smith and Waiters haven't played in a year and a half. Kuzma's been good, but he doesn't start. Caldwell Pope, can you really rely on him? They're really not that great of a team. It'd be more of a hot take to say that they're going to go to the Western Conference Finals right now, in my opinion, than it would be to say, that Dame is going to win this series. I mean, you have Dame and CJ going up against LeBron and AD with no shooters to match on the Lakers' side. I could totally see LeBron losing this first-round series. Do you think that's a wild take, CJ? I mean, Coward's saying it on FS1. I think it's a wild take. I, I think I think the Lakers are going to have a tough time getting to the Western Conference Finals. I don't think it's just going to be 4-1, 4-2, Western Conference yeah. Finals. No, I think it's going to be – you're going to see – Back-to-back six-game series at the very least. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, who are they playing again in round one? Who is it again? Uh, Portland. Portland, yeah. Uh, Probably. I, I think that's a 4-2 series. I think the, I think Dame is playing such good basketball that he's good enough for two wins. I think it's a 4-2 series. It depends on who they run into in the, in the next round. Could they possibly run into the Mavs? Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the matchups haven't been set yet, so there's no bracket out. That's true. Um, yeah, the matchups are Yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, if, if they have to go through Portland, Houston, that would that would be a little a little tough there. If they have to go through Portland, Mavs, I'm telling you right now, the Mavs are good enough to beat any team in the in the West in the series. Like seriously. But anyway, I don't think they lose round one. I guess for me, like what I've been focusing on the most right now is the Phoenix Suns going eight and zero and possibly somehow not making the playoffs. Yeah, dude. I mean, that that's brutal. And, and Memphis with like a, the biggest choke job of all time going, you know, one and seven, oh, and eight in this bubble. I mean, yeah, they have the spot. Yeah. And now they're just gone. And I uh, want to get your take on the uh, Giannis headbutt, too. I love seeing that the other day. Oh, I mean, it shows he's got way more fire to him than I mean, I've always thought he 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 shows a, he shows a decent amount of emotion. But that was like a, a whole nother side of him. So good for him. It's good for the Bucks fans. Good for the Bucks roster. It just shows that your man does not fuck around out there. Yeah, I mean he's running right through the East. I don't think there's really any question about it. I don't I think he's gonna be running no. through the East. I think it's gonna be tough. But I have him going to the finals. I think it's. I think round two, round three is gonna be tough for him. Yeah, I mean you know I mean if he has to play Boston and Miami, those are long series. I mean he's not gonna go four zero in those series. Um, so I you know that that's when I'll be interested in the NBA playoffs. First round, though, it's like 
these are these are yawn fests. I mean, yeah, I'm not even going to watch. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some good. I know at least we're getting Rockets Thunder in the West, and Russell is Russell Westbrook's not going to be playing at least for the first few games. Uh, do you think there's any chance that the Thunder could steal this without Westbrook playing? Yeah, absolutely. If the if Westbrook doesn't play, I think that the Thunder can very well make sure that this series goes seven games or can possibly wrap it up in six because I think the Thunder are very well coached and I think they're a very well ran team. And I think they play great basketball. So I can very well see the Thunder winning this series in six if Russell Westbrook doesn't his step on the court until later in the series. And if it's too late, then it's too late. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, some teams that are a little overrated, I think the Denvers fall off. They've had a good bubble, but they just don't, to me, have the firepower to really play against those Dallases, those Houstons, uh, the L.A. Clippers. Same thing with the Jazz. I was pretty high on them when the bubble started because of their three-point percentages. Uh, they're great defensively. Uh, they haven't played too great. I mean, they've, they've been racking up wins, but you know they've been playing some close games, so I, I don't really see the Jazz making it as far as I thought. So really in the West, I, I'm with you, CJ. It's Clippers. Rockets, Mavericks, and maybe Lakers as those top four. I think everyone else kind of fledges out. But I, I really do think there's a possibility Portland gets there. Uh, I don't know if you saw this at all, and uh, I talked with Adiel about this too, but Dame Lillard and Skip Bayless have been getting into beef lately uh, about Dame being not clutch. And uh, Skip went on a whole eight-minute rant the other day. He said he called Dame on the phone. They had an hour-long argument on the phone about how Dame's not clutch. Skip actually had some great points. I mean, fourth quarter, Dame's stats just are not good. Uh, he has really horrible plus-minus stats in fourth quarters. Uh, he pointed out the Golden State series last year uh, where they were up uh, after three quarters or tied with Golden State after three quarters with no Kevin Durant. Uh, you know, and they had, they had a great team last year. Portland was a four seed. And then in some of these bubble games, even this year, you know, he missed two free throws against the Clippers, could have gotten a dub there. All the credit in the world to Dame, but I feel like calling yourself one of the most clutch players in the game. Then you do a deep dive on the stats. Not so much. Uh, I think Skip Bayless is a little bit of a point there, but at the same time, it's like it's Dame and CJ and kind of a bunch of complimentary players, good players, but complimentary. So I feel like if you got Dame a really legit star, you wouldn't be pointing to those stats like that. What's your take on this whole Skip and Dame uh, beef, CJ? I think Skip Bayless is an idiot. I think he makes a fool of himself online. I think he become makes himself an enemy to the players, which I don't know why in the world you'd want to do that. It's like somebody gets good at basketball and he has to just start hating them unless they're on his team. Yeah. His team was the Spurs. Now it's the Clippers. It's just like he, like he dogged on Kawhi for wanting to get out of San Antonio. Kawhi goes to the Raptors. He hates on Kawhi. Kawhi wins the finals, hates on Kawhi. Kawhi goes to the Clippers. And since Kawhi's on the Clippers and LeBron's on the Lakers. I have to hate LeBron, and now I love Kawhi and the Clippers. I hate – Skip Bayless is a dick, okay? And, and not only that, he just makes an absolute fool out of himself. And I don't know how in the world that on Fox Sports like, – like, I mean, it's great clickbait stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. It makes people watch the show. Like, I guess that's what you want. But outside of that, he says some of the dumbest shit on Twitter. It's like, what is with LeBron's gray beard? Next on like just shut up, dude. Shut up. And the thing is, is that's all they should that's all that show has come to. It's LeBron, Tom Brady, a little bit of Aaron Rodgers, back to LeBron. And then James Hart. Like it's so ridiculous. It's not it's not a sports show anymore. And I've lost a lot of respect for for 
for Skip Bayless. And I'm so happy that Dame literally told him told him to shut up or whatever the hell he said online. I think Dame is, is 100% in the right here because one of these players needed to step up in the media and say, Skip, dude, shut up. Just leave us alone. You have no clue what you're talking about. So go, Dame. Screw you, Skip. Yeah, and that point about Undisputed, it's the same thing with First Take right now. Like, those these debate shows are just so clickbait. Like but they're getting it's the same the point. debate every freaking every, day. Hey, every single day. It's just getting There's so no tired. Content. Can watch. Cover the damn NHL. That too, dude. That 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 in baseball, the, the ESPN and Fox Sports, these mainstream shows, Terrible. football, basketball, every fucking day. It's so infuriating. Honestly, it's disrespectful. Yeah, I watched but ESPN I, this morning. If they were to debate like Connor McDavid's start of his career, Sidney Crosby's start of his career debate, that's a great freaking debate. Put it in the they, damn media. None of them, none of them have any idea what they're talking about. I watched ESPN this morning. They're going on the top plays. They had, they had a play last night from the Vancouver game. Oh, oh no, uh, Colorado. They're like, oh, over to Ranton, Ranton, they don't know how to spell pronounce Michael Ranton. Oh, he shoots it over and puts the the puck in the goal. I'm like, oh my god, these people are so. <laughs> Just so retarded, he man. He skates and then shoots, and it's and in. Go, uh, the Avalanche win 3 0. I'm like, this is not soccer. Don't disrespect. I'm like, I literally almost just turned the TV off. I'm like, this is brutal, man. I don't know. Just need to integrate more hockey and uh, just different things into the Fox. And they, it's all football and basketball. I, I get it. It's two most popular sports out there. Makes a lot of money, but damn. NHL's going on. MLB's right in its stride. So I know it's frustrating to watch, but. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's media, like, media bias is ridiculous, and the statements that are made by Skip, the, the statements that are made by, you know, I kind of like Shannon Sharp, but the, some of the shit he says, I'm just like, dude, what the fuck, I'll, I'll just be on my phone, and I look, I'm like, what the fuck, what? Like, yeah. you're just sitting there, but it's just, it's that, it's for that moment, it's for, I got you to look, now all eyes are on Fox Sports, I don't know. Screw it, bro. Damian Lillard, I I applaud and I fully applaud LeBron James for never once engaging in any conversation with Skip. I love it. And yeah. here's the last thing I'll say about this: Skip Bayless, who covered the, the Bulls and Michael Jordan for a good ten years, I think. I don't even like double digit years. I think a telling thing was the fact that MJ did not invite Skip Bayless, who's one of the was is a unfortunately a sports network icon, who did not invite Skip Bayless to come and speak about. Um, the Last Dance. There was a shitload of people on The Last Dance. Some people I've never even heard of and won't care about going forward. Skip Bayless, not invited. Yeah, man. I mean, like, I feel like if you're a national broadcaster right now, I feel like if you're a national broadcaster in in sports media, it's like you have a responsibility to know every sport. It's just like, you, you like, look at us. I mean, we're talking about everything here. We cover every sport because we like every sport and we know people like every sport. We even talk about soccer, too, sometimes. And, uh, CJ, you might want to touch on that a little bit. Champions League uh, has gotten underway. What's going on there? Unreal game yesterday. PSG pulls it out within stoppage time to, to win 2-1 to one, uh, against Atalanta, who I feel bad because Atalanta is probably like a mid-popularity team over in Italy, but they've, pulled, they've been managed really well. They got to Champions League football. They got far in Champions League football and could have been one of the top four teams left in Champions League, which is a massive honor for them and would have been huge for money. And they could have really started a dynasty going over there. 
And they've got a great roster. It would have been nice to see them get past PSG. They were 1-0 up in the 88th minute. They were a couple minutes away from going home to Italy in the semifinals of Champions League football, playing against a, uh, a Barcelona, a Bayern Munich, a Manchester City. That would have been huge for that club. It's a smaller club in terms of the grand scale of things, and they bottled it. PSG won in the 93rd minute. That is brutal. But PSG, it's been a long time coming. Last time out in Champions League football, PSG lost to Manchester United. They went into the game up 2-0 on aggregate and away goals. And, and oh my somehow God. United clawed back in Paris and beat PSG on a penalty in the final minute of the game. And United walked out of Paris going to the next round. And they played Barcelona, got smacked. Whatever, we won't talk about that. Anyway, um, going forward, you guys should watch next week. Huge game, Barcelona versus Bayern Munich. That is a massive game, and it does not matter if you're a soccer fan or not. It's going to be high-flying, physical game, stars on. Like, every position is going to have a star at it, a huge name. It's going to be a great, great game. Barcelona-Bayern Munich games over the past half decade have been absolute classics. Have to watch it. Um, yeah, and then I, st- I still think Manchester City will win Champions League. So, And then Europa League, uh, United play Sevilla this week. Uh, Europa League is like the one tier below uh, Champions League. It's like the, uh, I guess it's the little brother. Uh, whoever wins Europa League gets an immediate qualification to Champions League the following year if you have not already uh, achieved that. But uh, towards the end of Europa League, you see some really good matchups, and, and United plays the third-place team in Spain. So that'll be good. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely be tuning into those games. And uh, last topic I want to touch on, I, the PGA Tour has been uh, pretty cool to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forget. I'm blanking on the name. but uh, Colin Morikawa? Yeah, dude. He had some He's sick unreal. shots. Holy shit. He's unreal. Very, very great comeback. Great shot on 16 there. One thing I'll say about that is everyone thinks he's going to be Tiger Woods now. Golf Channel needs to ease it back a little bit. Great win. Great win. Uh, amazing player. But well, everyone's going like, 19 majors. I'm like, all right, let's relax here. But no, I agree. I, I, you can't just start saying he's going to be the next Tiger, but you got to say he went to a playoff against Justin Thomas. Yeah, he was yeah. down three shots back uh, in the in the at, at Muirfield like four weeks ago, and yeah. literally beat JT <laughs> in a playoff. He came back, tied him, made the putt to tie, and then went to the playoff and made the putt to win. That is guts as a kid that yeah. just graduated college. And JT was the FedEx leader at the time. The yeah, guy's I, a freak. And he it was, never not made the cut since joining the PGA. Yeah. Like, the guy's nuts. And it was gutsy, too. Like, I mean, I, he was walking up on 16 there. And he could have easily laid, not laid up, but he went for the green. They took drive so route, took the driver out, cuts the corner, and he rolls that. And the ball rolls up within, like, four or five feet, makes the eagle oh, putt. Eagle that put the nail in the coffin of that tournament. And Paul it was Casey's awesome. like 38 years old. He's on the other hole. Had a bur- He was the guy who was second place. Yeah. They were tied. Paul Casey's on the other hole. He, he saw it and he told the guy, the, the lady in the interview afterward, he was like, yeah, this is, I'm done. He knew it was over right there. He just <laughs> Paul Morikawa, 23. Fucking Eagles, 16 in the US, uh, US Open or whatever the hell it's called. PGA Championship. Why is US Open? Yeah. PGA Championship. Insane. That was, I, mean, I watched every shot Sunday and it was, it was unreal. Oh. PGA's been great, though, Jacob. You have a great point. And there's some great personalities and great guys to follow. Yeah, and uh, it's been pretty shocking. I think their ratings are higher than a lot of sports. Right? I think they're the highest rated sport coming back, which is really shocking. But uh, when you watch, it's like, hey, I see why. I mean, this is pretty great stuff. And uh, But that's where we're going to wrap it up today. By the way, 
Uh, Blackhawks just tied it 2-2. Now it's 3-2 Knights. Oh, uh, God. You're kidding me right now. 3-2 Knights. 2.40 left in the second period. Yes. This game will be over. Yes. There's tomorrow. Yes. Um, one quick little thing real quick. Michael Shapiro, you are a pigeon. The Red Sox are getting their ass handed to you right now. It's 16-5, to 5, top of the seventh. Bring the bring the brooms out, and the kids are still not eating free here in Boston, folks. Hey, Mike. Hey, Shapiro. If you're, uh, I, I'm going to make sure that you listen to this, and you're going to listen all the way to the end. Regardless, COVID or not, this is the same season for you. It's not like you're going to sit in Fenway. You don't live in Boston. You never lived in Boston. doesn't matter. COVID or not, you don't sit in the damn stands, buddy. <laughs> hey. Projected rotation next five days for the Red Sox. You got Evaldi, TBD, TBD, TBD. Stellar pitching in Boston. Love it. So uh, that's where we'll wrap it up today. We'll be back next week. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, we're going to be back on FAUL Radio in, I think, that on the 25th we'll have our show. Sadly, those have to be clean. ADL is telling us we can't curse on there. So the regular pod episodes, they'll, they'll be dirty like this. When we're on FAUL Radio, we've got to keep it clean. Sorry about that, guys. But those will be back on the 25th. We'll have our Tuesday shows just like normal, and those will air live on FAULradio.com from 4 to 5 p.m. And, uh, yeah, so that will be in about two weeks. We'll have another pod next week. Um, follow us on Twitter at Strict Sports FAU. Facebook and Twitter at Strictly Sports FAU. For CJ Steve, I'm Jacob Brown, and we will see you next time.